Good morning and welcome to worship. I have the privilege of sharing with you a message from our Savior this morning. May his peace and the joy of knowing him as your best friend ever be with you today and forevermore. Amen to you. I'd like to read our text today. It's recorded from John chapter 15. I'm reading verses 9 and following where it says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. These are the words of our text this morning. A number of years ago, I received a phone call, came out of the blue. I was going through an especially difficult time in my life, some challenges personally as well as in my ministry. And the phone call came, and it was from an old friend. His conversation was brief and to the point. He said, Rich, I know you're going through a difficult time. I know your ministry is being challenged. I know it's hard for you, but I want you to know this. I care about you. I love you. More importantly, the Lord loves you. He shared a brief verse of scripture, and he said, I want you to know that I'm praying for you, and things are going to get better. God bless you. Goodbye. That was it. Short and sweet and to the point. Hadn't heard from him for many, many years, and then the phone call came, and I think it's one of the best phone calls I've ever received in my life. Encouraging, uplifting, pointing me to Christ, God's promises, and yes, things did get better. How about you? You ever gotten a phone call like that? All of a sudden, out of the blue, someone you've not talked to for a long, long time, and somehow they found out about your circumstance, and they called you up, and they said... I know what you're going through. Offered words of encouragement. Powerful, isn't it? Words from a friend, aptly spoken, chosen. Build us up, encourage us, lift us up through the difficult times. But you know, friends are so important to us. A lot has been written about that whole subject of friends. Let me share a couple of quotes with you here. This one writer said of a friend, a friend is never known until a person has a need. Here's another one. A friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. A friend is one who knows all about you and likes you just the same. A friend is one who knows you as you are, understands where you've been, accepts who you've become, and still gently invites you to grow. And this definition was offered, a friend is a push when you've stopped, a word when you're lonely, 
a guide when you're searching, a smile when you are sad. And then maybe you've heard this one. A friend you have to buy won't be worth what you pay for. Yeah. I talked about the subject of friends with one of my daughters, and as we got into that subject, she said, Dad, how many Facebook friends do you have? And I said, I have 25. <laughs> and she smiled, and I said, well, how many do you have? 400. I said, what? 400? How do you get 400 Facebook friends? She said, it's real easy. You just go to this menu page. There they are. They're all listed. Push this button. You got them, just like that. 400. Many people have more. But do you know that if you have three people in your life that you can count as a friend, I mean people that you can sit across the table with and you can look eye to eye with and spill your heart to, and your mind and your hopes and your dreams, your pains, your sorrows, if you have three people like that in your life, count yourself as blessed because that's about the number of really close friends that one person has in their life. But you know, people are not reliable, are they? Some of our closest of friends, when we want them to be there, are not there. Maybe something comes up. Maybe they're distracted. They're just not there. But in our text today, Jesus reminds us of a relationship we have with him and a friendship that he has with us that we can count on 24-7. And it just reminds us again and again here today what a friend we have in Jesus. When Jesus spoke these words, he spoke during that week we call Holy Week. It was Monday, Thursday evening. Good Friday was on the horizon. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He speaks to them. And it's called the last discourse. It's the last time he teaches them before things move towards persecution and trial and death. And sure enough, he has them on his heart, on his mind. But more importantly, he has you and me in his thinking, and his words are for us today, as he talks about divine friendship. And when you listen to the text as I was reading, you probably picked up on the word love, used over and over again. Well, the Greek language uses a couple of words for love. It uses the word eros to reference romantic love. And then it uses a word, philos, to describe brotherly love. And then it uses another word, agape, to describe self-sacrificing, unconditional, divine love. And that's the word that Jesus is using here when he uses the word love. He's talking about a self-sacrificing, unconditional, and divine love that God has for all humanity and that Jesus has for us and he speaks about his loving friendship. Now, the world we live in needs that kind of friendship, needs that kind of love, that unconditional, self-sacrificing love that only God's can supply. You see, the Bible reminds us that when we come into this world, we're not friends of God. We're hostile toward God. We're enemies of God. We have been infected with this thing that's called sin, it's called original sin. It started with Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden and was transferred from generation to generation. That's the way we come into the world, hostile toward God, outside of God's family, and certainly not as friends, but rather as enemies. Now, there are a lot of people who would deny that reality. 
But the Bible makes it very clear that is our status. And even if a person says it's not true, it doesn't make it so. Because God speaks to us through the inspired word of Scripture and says that is our status. Without the work of the Holy Spirit bringing us to faith, our status is one of enemy of God, hostile toward God. And it shows up. It shows up in the way we, the way we think, in the way we speak, in the way we behave. And when you look at the perfect will of God and the commandments of God and the word of God, you see this standard that the Lord has laid out, the way we ought to be, the way we ought to think and speak and behave. And, and then we measure ourselves against that. And what do we see? We just fall so far short of that standard of perfection. And the Bible tells us what we deserve because of that is, and what we earn because of that is, well, the wages of sin is death, wrote the Apostle Paul. The wages we earn, death. Now, there are some who would try to mitigate that sin problem and say, oh, we can find a way to please God. We can find a way to get back to God. We can find a way. But the Bible tells us this. There's a way that seems right to man, but leads to death. Only God has the answer to the sin problem. And he provided that answer in Jesus Christ, his son. And Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples and as he speaks to us about how he has befriended the world, he helps us understand the depth, the divine nature of this love that he possesses. He uses something that we can, we can understand. He says this, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. When you think about that statement that Jesus is making, how true that is. Yeah. Can you think of anything greater that one person can give to another person than their life? We hear the stories of people who do just that. Maybe you've heard the story of the soldiers who were in the battlefield and they had a mission to accomplish and they were pinned down and so one of the soldiers steps up and says, look, I'll, I'll draw their fire, I'll go this way, and when they fire on me, you go that way and complete the mission. And he did, and they did, they were victorious, he was wounded in battle and died. That's sacrificial. That's heroic. That's love. I'll never forget the article in the paper in Phoenix where it described the actions of a mother. And she was taking a walk with her child and everything was just fine when all of a sudden her child darted into the street and a car was coming and the little boy ran out into the street and the car came and the mother looks up and she runs into the street and pushes the boy out of the way and she's hit full force by the car and is killed instantly. That is heroic. That's self-sacrificing. In the work that I do, I talk to a lot of folks who have lived a number of years and I'll never forget the story of the man who had taking care of his chronically ill wife. At an early age, she became ill in their marriage. They were married for 40 years. And then he died. And when they went to the doctor, and they said, well, what did he die of? And 
the doctor said he just wore out. That is self-sacrificing. That is heroic. And Jesus tells us that. We can understand that. We can understand one person giving up their life for their friends, people they love, and who love them. And Jesus tells us here, I've come to befriend the world. I've come to befriend not my friends, but my enemies. And sure enough, he kicks it up to a higher level, a divine level, and he reminds us of why he's come into the world, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Just think, Jesus has befriended you. He's befriended the world. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in the book of Romans. He wrote this, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just think about that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. He took upon himself our sin. He took upon himself the punishment we ought to get. He took upon himself the obligation of living a righteous life in our place. And then he gave up his life. He made a blood sacrifice to the Father, which satisfied God's justice. The Apostle Paul wrote further, and he said this, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Jesus is the world's best friend. Jesus is our best friend. He makes it very, very personal in our text. Listen as Jesus goes on and brings it home to each of us. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The Holy Spirit has brought us to faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have come to know him, to believe in what he's done for us, to be true, not just for the world, but for us personally. Through word and sacrament, that faith has been kindled, that faith is nurtured and strengthened. And Jesus says, through faith in him, your status changes. You're no longer a servant, you're a friend. And he points out that that has been made possible by God's grace and by his choosing. Listen to this verse. <clears throat> Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You know, today in 
the religious and even in the Christian community that gets turned upside down, and falsely so. So oftentimes, the people are told, you need to choose Jesus. You need to choose God. You need to find God. And yet Jesus is telling us just the opposite here. It's not about us finding him. It's about him finding us. It's about him choosing us. And he explicitly says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That truth is really brought home by a story I'd like to share with you. A little boy, five years old, lived in the state of Washington on the edge of the woods. He walked out the front pathway through the gate, took a right turn off into the woods on a fall day. The weather when he started, sunny but cloudy, by the time he walked into the woods a little distance, the weather had turned, as it's prone to do so quickly in that part of our nation, and the cloudy skies turned to rainy skies. It began to rain, the temperature began to drop, and it wasn't long before the rain began to turn to snow. Well, back at the house, Mom and Dad were frantic. Where was he? They knew he liked walking in the woods. And so they called the sheriff's department and organized a search party, and they began looking for the little boy. And it got darker and darker, colder and colder. The snow came down heavier and heavier, but no little boy. And they continued to search here and there. One of the officers who understood the importance of finding that boy before it, the sun came up again realized that he would die of exposure. He wouldn't make it through the night. So he continued fervently to search, diligently to search, and all of a sudden he bumped against what he thought was a log, and all of a sudden the log moves and the log pops up, it's the little boy. And the little boy looks up at the officer and he says, I found you. <laughs> well, who found whom? Well, we know the answer to that question. It wasn't the little boy who found the officer. It was the officer who diligently searched for the little boy, knowing the danger he was in, and found him and rescued him. Great picture of what God has done for us. He sent out the Holy Spirit to work through word and sacrament to find us. God isn't lost. We're the lost ones. And he has found us. We didn't choose him. He chose us worked faith in our hearts, and brought us to know him as our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. And that's why we have that relationship today, because of God's love and grace worked in our life. Our status has changed. We are now friends of Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus tells us what it means. He says a friend is different than a servant. And he says, I call you servants. No, I call you friends. And he tells us that there's a difference. The servant doesn't know the master's business. And that's the way it is, isn't it? The servant is just told by the master, you go do this, and you go do it to this level, and you report back to me when it's done. But they're never let in on what the master is thinking, the whys and wherefores of the project. Just get it done and get it done well and report back to me. But Jesus says that's not the way it is between us and him. We are his friends. And the master lets his friends in 
on his business. And Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, that he reveals to us what's on the mind of the master. And he tells it to us in our text, where he told his disciples then that he's told them everything that the Father has revealed to me, I reveal to you. And sure enough, as Jesus' friends, God continues to do that today through the words of Jesus, through the words of the apostles and the prophets. And what does he tell us when it comes to our sin? He says, cheer up. Cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. When it comes to trouble in our life and those circumstances that just come our way that are so painful as living in a fallen world is sometimes, he tells us that he works everything for our good. Everything. When it comes to death and what lies beyond the grave, he's got the answer there too. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Heaven awaits us. When it comes to our prayer life, he says, bring it to me. I will hear you, I will answer for your good. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'm going to give it to you. Want to know more about what's in the mind of the Master? Open your Bible. There it is. It's all written out there for us. Read it on a daily basis and you're going to learn, that's what Jesus has in mind for me. That's what the Father has in mind for me. That's what the Holy Spirit can do for me. Wow, I'm in the mind of the Master. I have a friend in Jesus. At the beginning, I shared with you the story of the man who called me up and encouraged me in a difficult time in my life. That's what Christians do. They're thinking about other people. You see, you can't get to know the mind of the master. You can't know the love of Jesus without being changed. Our hearts are different, the way we look at people differently. We see them as God does, and the love of Christ shapes our behavior. It did for the man who called me, and it does for you and me every day. I would ask you, do you know someone in your life who needs to get a phone call like that? Someone that you haven't talked to in a long, long time, but you've become aware of their circumstance, their trouble in their life, their problems that they're having. And you can make a call, a word of encouragement given and spoken by yourself. Is there someone you might send an email off to and just a word of encouragement, a word of scripture, perhaps. Thoughts of love and care for them and pointing them to Christ, their best friend. Maybe a, a little text sent to that person or that individual who needs to hear about their best friend, Jesus. I want to encourage you to pick up the phone. Send the text. Write that email and push send. What a friend we have in Jesus. May that thought be fixed in the center of your thinking this week, every day of your life. No matter what life brings your way, you have a friend in Christ that is there 24-7 into eternity. Amen.